1: A few weeks ago, I promised you that I'd post the second part of my interview with John Murphy. You may recall his father was on the fictitious Salem Trade School football team that I presented back in episode number 90. But before I play that segment, I just want to make a quick announcement that I've officially signed the contract with Mango Publishing to write a third book. And just like my previous two volumes, that's Einstein's Refrigerator and Lindbergh's Artificial Heart, The new book will be a collection of unusual and long-forgotten stories from the past. While I do plan to include some of my favorite stories from the podcast, the bulk of the book will be brand new stories that I am certain you will find equally fascinating. The manuscript is due at the publisher next February, so I have a lot of work to do between now and then. Now, if you'd like me to periodically update you as the publication date draws closer... I've set up a mailing list in Google Forms where you can enter your contact information. Now, I only need the first four questions to be answered. That's your first name, your last name, your email address, and then there's a question about whether or not I can share that information with my publisher. If you don't want me to, that's fine. The link to sign up for the new book is on my website, which is uselessinformation.org. That's uselessinformation.org. All you need to do is go there, and there's a mock up of the book cover that I made the other day on the left. Simply click on the book, and it should take you right to the Google form. So let's get to the remainder of the interview that I did with John Murphy. When John was working for New England Telephone, which later became part of Verizon, he was working with Dean Kamen to establish the first robotics competition. You may never have heard of FIRST, but it has grown into a gigantic worldwide program that is found in public and private schools all around the globe. In fact, that's probably happening in your local school right now. Well, John was there at the very beginning, so let's take a listen. So John, you were also involved in something else, and as a teacher, as a science teacher, it's something that is very, very important to uh, the world of education, And that is you were involved in the start of FIRST, which is a robotics competition. Why don't you tell how you first got involved with that?
2: Yes. FIRST is an idea and a concept that was dreamt up by a fellow by the name of Dean Kamen up in Manchester, New Hampshire.
1: Well, before you go any further, let's just mention what he did. I mean, his most famous invention is a Segway. But he's also he's considered one of the you know true inventive geniuses of the past few decades. Not just a Segway, but you know a drug infusion pump, portable dialysis machine. I love his uh, all-terrain wheelchair, the iBot, where you can just go upstairs and raise up to meet people. It's just a, he's a really you know genius type of guy. So why don't you continue? I didn't mean to interrupt you there.
2: Yeah, Dean basically is uh, naturally a hard, very hard-working genius. And he helped, he's helped millions and millions and millions of people inventing basically medical devices or, uh, or equipment that helps people with certain diseases. He's, uh I've lost track of him. such a busy person, you can't just call him up once in a while. He basically has invented many, many, many medical uh instruments and equipment and that has really had a huge impact that that. I don't know how many patents, medical patents he has. He he had many, many at the time when I was with him. And basically what he needed, he was a busy person, but what he needed was someone to be basically a project director with FIRST. And FIRST basically stands for the foundation, for the inspiration and recognition of science and technology. That's basically what the acronym means. And Dean just needed someone to help organize it while he was doing other things. The irony is, that, or the interesting part of it is that I was basically the only full time. I was on loan to him from a corporation at the time, it was called New England Telephone Company, and I was the only full time employee of First for almost two years while we were trying to get it going and trying to get a, trying to get a found not a foundation, but trying to get certain people interested in it and trying to get important people interested in the concept in also carrying it forward it that whole organization i don't know how many people work for it now but they hold they hold events they hold local uh, competitions robotic type competitions where each high school which uh, which each high school and even younger grades uh, teamed up with uh, mentors from corporations and they basically all work on science related STEM related programs and the competition ends up in places like Disney World and it now incorporates people from all over the world, schools from all over the world, corporate people from all over the world, volunteers, many, many thousands of people are involved in this competition all from an idea by, from one person.
0: So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. My school
1: that I work for, Chatham Central School, we do have a FIRST Robotics group, and it's amazing how how much the kids enjoy this. There's probably about, I don't know the exact number, maybe like 30, 35 students in our small school that are involved in uh, creating these robots. And uh, each year they go to different competitions the biggest one being at uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, which is RPI uh, in Troy. And you'd be shocked how many people are there. It's a big arena, and it is packed. And you have people from all over the world who just come in, and they're racing these robots around. And they have to go through all these obstacles, climb ropes, and grab you know different things and put them in different places. It, it's actually right. really amazing how many kids are involved with this. Uh, I, I looked it up. It's somewhere a little under 100,000 uh, you know, high school kids are involved. Really? I, yeah. It's come a long way since you were first involved. Why, uh, why don't you tell a little about, uh, cause you had told me uh, a while back about what it was like to go around with Dean came to go to like RPI and stuff and tell them you'd like to start this.
2: Yeah. Well, one story I do remember was when he and I went to RPI and it was early in the game. Again, we were still trying to convince people that the, uh, this was something that um, would would strengthen the STEM uh, stature, if you will, of the United States. And it would increase interest in science itself. And I do remember going to uh, Rensselaer up in New York with Dean. He and I went there, met with a, uh, the, I think, pretty sure the president at the school then was a person by the name of Harold Schmidt, who also had uh, connections with the uh, National Science Foundation. And I remember that meeting, and Dean sometimes early in the in meetings would be quiet, and as time went on, uh, as the meeting progressed, you could see he was slowly starting to get out of his chair a little bit, and all of a sudden this this force of nature would just take place, and it would be Dean basically convincing everyone that there was there was no way that we could they could not be interested in this uh, concept, and there was no way that this shouldn't be done. And his pure energy uh, just took over the room when he when he went into his when he, when he started to voice his opinions and his act and his ideas and his wonderful concepts. He believed mostly. But one of the things that kept coming out was that he know he knew that sports was a wonderful thing, and he was he was interested in sports himself. But he said, why shouldn't we be cheering people who do who who do successful things academically, scientifically? Instead of people just throwing a football or hitting a baseball, he said you could, if it's, a, if it's a question of money, you can make more money in science anyway. And he also said that our heroes should be not just football players, basketball players, and baseball players. Our heroes should also be science types, science achievers, and people. He, he basically described completely the arena and the robotics taking place in the arena that I, many, many years later, I attended a Boston University Harry Organis Arena robotic competition with FIRST. I didn't tell anyone that I had been associated with that before. And I went in, and just sat in the audience, and there was that scene that Dean used to talk about. There were costumed cheerleaders. There were people all cheering their own team. There were an incredible crowd there. The excitement was incredible. And the final match had to do with two robotic devices battling each other. I forget exactly what they were supposed to do. They were in a ring. It was the most incredible thing I had seen in a long time, mainly because I heard it described a lot. But I left the project well before they started to take place. So to this day, I'll, uh, I just see him as the most interesting person I've ever met. Wow.
1: So uh, I know you were with him for a couple of years. Why did what, what what led to you leaving, uh, working with him?
2: Well, basically, I was I was on loan to him from the from the telephone company at the time. And the person who who actually authorized my being loaned to him, he got transferred and he had to pull me off the project. <laughs> I didn't want to leave, that's for sure.
1: It is pretty amazing. Uh, I went to my first uh, robotics competition last spring for our school. And our school, actually, the first year, I think we came in last place. And then last year was our second year, and we actually improved quite a bit. I think we're maybe in the top 12 or something like that. So we've come a long way. I just want to mention that in case you're around, the New York Tech Valley Regional is at RPI again. And it'll be from March 6th to March 9th of 2019, which is obviously this year. Uh, So if you happen to be around, you know, feel free to stop in.
2: No, maybe I will then. That sounds interesting. March 6th, you know, I will be
1: there. <laughs> yeah, mark it on your calendar. If you're going, I'll be there. Uh, our school is definitely going, and I know they'd love for me to go with them. Uh, oddly, I was asked to be the advisor for our first group, but that was right around the time my wife got very sick, and uh, I told them that I expected I'd be out of school quite a bit, you know, which did happen. So uh, as a result, I had to tell them to find another advisor. Uh, I tried joining last year, but I had no clue at that point what was going on.
2: There are so many volunteers helping out.
1: Exactly, they, they've brought in experts from the outside world who really know how to do this stuff. You know, people who have degrees in engineering, people who are great tinkerers at designing things. You know, uh, one guy who works on it is a you know computer programmer. So they're able to help these kids and pull these things together. And when they start, nothing works right. Uh, but by the time they get to that competition, it's amazing how smoothly those machines
2: are working. It's truly amazing. All again, all from the energy and vision of one person, Dean Kamen, and your help. Initially, again, I was I was really for almost two years. I was the only full time person working on that. A lot of people in Dean's world helped me here and there in the office, but for the most part, I was the only person that. Uh, that was working on it full-time. It was, so it, was just, it wasn't easy, but it was very interesting, and I, I loved every minute of it.
1: John, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. It's, it's very, very generous of you. Uh, when I first met you three years ago, I knew you were a great guy, and you continue to prove that to me. Uh, I just want to wish you the best of luck in with your dad's story and everything else.
2: Thank you. I, it was a pleasure to be here. I enjoyed talking about it, of course. It's a very interesting story all by itself.
1: Well, John and I spoke for a bit after this, but unfortunately I had turned off the Skype recorder by then. A couple of interesting tidbits that John did mention was that Dean came and nicknamed him his Minister of Lists, and that's for organizing his daily agenda so, so very well. And also that John had played on Dean's softball team that was named the Decadence. That's D-E-K-A, the Decadence. John was very gracious in letting me record our conversation, and I do want to thank him for agreeing to being on the podcast. John has also generously provided me with scans of the pages from his dad's diary, and I'm planning on including them, along with an updated version of the story, in my next book. As I mentioned at the beginning, if you'd like to sign up for my mailing list for the new book, just go to the website uselessinformation.org and click on the picture of the book on the left. The next podcast is coming shortly. I'm shooting for the first week of March to get it completed and recorded. I'm a little bit behind schedule. So thanks for your patience while I work on that story, and as always, for your continued support. Bye. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge.